we started here at Gospel, uh, we were humble in every way. I mean, uh, we didn't want to be, but we were. And uh, meeting in pool cages, rented borrowed buildings uh, for one year. God gave us his land here out of the blue, but we didn't have any money to develop it. And then uh, all got together, and I'm going to say all of us, probably 15 of us, got together and said, let's build a building. And McKinney Hall was, the concept of this place is right over there. What you see up on the wall over there was drawn by Ernie Stewart in 1979. That was a year before we actually built anything. That was his dream, his vision, his dream for what a church would look like. He was from Michigan, and uh, he went to Sunny Grove Baptist Church, Sunnydale Baptist Church up there somewhere in Michigan. Anyway, he liked the way that looked, and we all said, sure. He was a contractor, built multi-story buildings. Well, he built Casa Bonita and a bunch of those buildings out there, and uh, he wrote, uh, you know, he did that for us, and then we put that, I found that the other day, out of the blue, and I thought we'd put that back up. Ernie's been in glory now for quite a while. He's in a much better place. But it was a dream that we could have a building anywhere to look close to that. I remember when we did McKinney Hall, we, we uh, put all our money together that we could, and uh, I remember we didn't want to, the World War II, you had to work with World War II guys to understand them. Number one, most all of them were farm boys. Almost all of them held everything together with bale wire. I mean, you didn't buy a part if bale wire would do it. And uh, you didn't buy a, a rubber gasket. You just took a rubber tire and cut a hole, cut a circle, and tried to make that work. I mean, it was, these boys knew how to make things happen. But they were a little tough to work with. My generation is quite different. And it was a little tough to work with them from me to them because I wanted to go buy stuff. And they were like, why would you waste money on buying something? We'll just, do, we'll just make this work. Remember when we poured the headers up there? It was, they said, well, we'll do a bucket brigade, five-gallon bucket. Well, five-gallon bucket of concrete, brother. I mean, five-gallon bucket of I think concrete weighs more than water. And water is mean. Five gallons of water is mean. But five gallons of concrete, and they bucket brigaded all of that whole header up there, the whole thing. And to vibrate it, they had a, a guy with a hammer. Wouldn't want to, oh, God forbid you'd ever rent a vibrator. God forbid, I suggested we rent a concrete pump. They looked at me like I was a heretic. And uh, they said, why would you ever do that? We'll just concrete bucket it up there and beat it with a hammer and, and take rebar through it, make sure there's no holes in it and stuff like that, no air pockets. And that's what we did. Never did we dream that we'd ever be standing in this auditorium tonight. Never. But it was a beautiful thing. And I never did I dream that I'd see a Steinway over there or Allen Oregon over there that God has blessed us with to use. And the seats you're in are the most deluxe. I never dreamed we'd ever have seats that nice. Lights, air conditioning. Wow. I tell you, we got a lot to be thankful for. But bigger than anything you visualize, we got to be thankful for is that God's here. There are churches meeting tonight all over America that God's not there. They've left him. He didn't leave them. They left him. Uh, and he's written, had to write across the, the church that they don't see it because it's in that old invisible thing. It's called Ichabod. The glory has departed. Why did the glory depart? They left the word of God. 
They left the instructions. They left his uh, obedience, and they don't do it anymore. And one way and how they left that is they quit reading the Bible. You wondered how I was going to bring all that there together, did you? I wandered way out into the desert, but I've come back. They quit reading the book. One way to keep Gospel Baptist Church where it ought to be, where, by the way, where, where ought to we be? That's a different English sentence there. We want to be where the Bible wants us to be. We want to be where God wants us to be. Well, how are we going to do that? You've got to stick with the book. And so you, to stick with the book, you've got to read the book. And there's no easy way of getting around. You can listen to the book now. When I say read, I mean listen, either one. But you have to pay attention when they're when somebody's reading it to you. You can't be, you got to be paying attention. And so how, how do you keep from drifting? Because we are prone to wander, and you know it. How many denominations started out fundamental Bible believing and now barely believe even the Bible itself is from God? They long ago quit believing in the supernatural and the miracles of Scripture. They long ago quit believing that there were four writers of the four Gospels. And actually, they, 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 they long ago quit believing that Jesus died and he just simply swooned. And on and on and on those theories of liberalism go. They come in and rot the very guts out of what a local Bible-believing church is. A local Bible-believing church is consistent and consists of the Word of God. As long as we will stay and decide to stay close to the Bible, there's hope for us. Because you understand history enough, I hope you do, to know everything moves left that doesn't intentionally want to stay right. You have to intentionally want to stay where you're supposed to be. Because there's a current pushing on you. And that current is of this world. It's the winds of the world. And they'll push you away from God. I talked to you already about ten reasons why that reading the Word of God is beneficial. Reading it through in once a year is, is beneficial to you. I could stop there, could have stopped there and said that was enough, but there's five more. But I have to ask a question before we go any further. Is there any amount of evidence that would convince you to read your Bible through next year? It, would there be any amount of evidence that I could bring up from the pulpit or through the Word of God or through preaching that would convince you to put your name on that board back there and mean it and to make it happen? I know enough about human nature at 65 years old, and I'm 65 till I'm 66. I'm not like them 16-year-olds that six months out from their birthday, they're, they're going to say, hey, in six months I'll be 16. No, I don't do that. Old people don't do that. In fact, when we're 60, when I'm 66, I'll, I'll probably accidentally be calling myself 65. But how much evidence would it take for you to be convinced to read the Bible? I know enough about human nature to know that if you decide to do it, you will do it. I have a high degree of confidence in you tonight. That if you decide to read the Bible through in 2018 and God gives you life, you're going to do it. I don't care what kind of infirmities you have. You're going to do it. 
You'll either listen to it or you'll read it, and it won't even be hard on you. You'll do it. I just know you well enough. Now, some of you are sitting in this room, and I don't doubt that you've never read the Bible through really cover to cover in one year. You've given it a shot. You've failed. You've failed and failed and failed. But I'm going to tell you what. I've, I'm an old fisherman. Now, I've gone to Okeechobee on a, when a cold front had come through, and I casted 600-plus times without catching a fish, not one fish. But that did not stop me from going back because I was determined to catch fish. And when it got a little warmer and the water began to warm up a little bit, I went back, and every other cast was a fish. And reading your Bibles that way. Sometimes you read it, it's cold. Don't seem like God's there. Don't seem like anything's happening. What am I doing this for? Just keep fishing. You keep fishing, and you will catch. God will come to you. He makes a condition, a precondition. He says, if you will seek me, I will seek you. Turn unto me and I'll turn unto you, saith the Lord, he tells his children. Seems like that he wants you to make the move. He's already made all the moves that he needs to make. Now you need to make the move. I wore this so I'd know when to hold them. I'd know when to fold them. I'd know when to walk away, and I'd know when to run. If you trust God and you, you seek it, hunger, and you'll be filled. That's what reading. Put your name on that board and say, I'm going to read the Bible through in 2018. Unless God kills me or the rapture comes, man, that's got to make God happy. That'd be like going to your wife, Charlie. Every morning you're saying, honey, I just really, I mean this. I just really love you. Ain't going to hurt you. Ain't going to hurt you. Men haven't done that in a while. Yeah, preacher, but I may not mean it. Okay, at the first, you got to say it like, I really love you. The next day you go, I really love you. Pretty soon, about three or four days down the road, you say, I can, you can really look at him straight face and say, I really love you. You begin to see, begin to seek God by reading his word, and you're going to really love him. Your love may start out pretty chilly, but it'll get hot. It'll get the temperature will go up on it, brother. The word of God generates its own romance. Oh, that's good. That really is good. Well, let me talk to you. If I have, um, it's sad indeed. I saw something, I saw a YouTube about the Las Vegas shooting that, that alarmed me, but it, it made sense to me. Basically, I'm up here year after year after year after year, riding the same old horse. Read your Bible through. Sign up in the board. Read your Bible through. Sign up in the board. Don't you think I get tired of saying that? I get so tired of saying it, I can't even tell you. I want you to come to me and say, I'm reading my Bible through, preacher. And some do. I want to be able to say, you quit signing up. The board's full. Now it's first in, first out.
one of the YouTubes, a sad YouTube on that shooting, the shooting was going on. You could hear the machine gun in the back going, bup, 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 bup. and you could actually hear some of the bullets hitting the pavement. And th that was the YouTube I was watching. And, and there were people being hit by these bullets. And there were people that was hitting the ground, was hitting the bodies. And these guys, everybody was like scrambling around, screaming, yelling. There was chaos, generally speaking. There's these two or three people standing up in the midst of all that. And they were saying, don't, and everybody, people were yelling, run, run, somebody's shooting at us, run. And there were people getting hit and people hitting the ground and bullets hitting the ground. The sound of the machine gun bu -bu 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 was up. And there were people standing up saying, it's a hoax. It's a joke. It's, those are just firecrackers. You don't have to run anywhere. Now, YouTube didn't last much longer. But I wanted to know whatever happened to those boys. It will not be long, and it was not long before they found out that they should have run. It was real. And if you don't listen to me tonight, pay attention to anything I've said all these years, it won't be long before you find out I was telling you the truth, the whole truth. And nothing but the truth. Everyone in this room will, will know that. Many of you know it. Many of you decided to do it. Uh, you, but someday if you do not, read the word of God and carefully seek God with all your heart. You're going to grasp your head in horror and remorse. As you stand before God thinking of the lost opportunities of years that you just let go by. I think of the song, Wasted Years, Wasted Years, Oh, How Foolish. Man, I hope you don't want to sing that when you stand before God. Don't do it. You know, no, 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 you'll, you'll say to yourself, no wonder I struggled and failed. No wonder I was a victim, not a victor. No wonder my prayer was not answered like it should have been. No wonder, no wonder it'll come clear on you. But like them boys standing up when the bullets are going around them, it'll be a rude awakening. It's real. So far, I've given you ten reasons. Number one, it will be it will, if you read the Bible through, it will cleanse your way. Number two, it will keep you close to what is right. Number three, it will keep you out of a lot of trouble. Number four, it'll keep you from forgetting God. Number five, by reading the Word of God steadily and once a year at least, Minimal. It will keep you alive. It literally will lengthen your life. I have no doubt, my wife and I have no doubt that we'd be long gone had not been for reading the Bible. Number six, it will keep you, it will give you answers for your life. Number seven, it will give you a sense of gratitude. Number eight, it will cause people to like you and some of you need help. Me, I don't because I'm just sweet naturally. It's a joke, but uh, it will give you stability. It will give you, num number 10, it will give you guidance in hard situations. And brother, we got some hard situations. You don't have any now, you will have. You're going to need some, what I call, spiritual decision making, amen? And God will give it to you. But it won't, let me tell you, if you don't seek God in the times you don't need it, you won't have it when you need it. Are you with me? You got to seek him when you don't need it. Because when you need it, then you'll have it. 
Make sense? Let me give you five more reasons real quickly. I know the hour is late. Number 11, reading God's word will cause you to love it more and more. It creates its own romance, brother. It does. The Bible says in uh, Psalm 119, 140, the word is very pure, therefore my servant loveth it. The more you read the Bible, the more you see its depth and purity and beauty, and you begin to love it more. Psalm 119, 161 says, or 62, excuse me, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. I hate and abhor lying by thy law, but thy law do I love. That, that is not natural. That has to come supernaturally. Psalm, 1, Psalm 19, verse 9 through 11 says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. I like this part. More are they to be desired than gold. Yea, than much. 99.9, fine gold. Sweeter are they than honey, Brother Tom, and the honeycomb. Ooh, I like honeycomb. I may here like to put honeycomb in your mouth and just feel that first, and it only happens when you the first one, the second one's not the same. So only first, take a piece of honeycomb, you put it in your mouth, and you begin to squish it. And that stuff begins to squeak out all over the place, and there's just a sensation there that just is not duplicable another way. The Bible says it's so. Reading the Word of God, you put that thing in your mouth, your mind, your soul, and you squish down on it, and it'll be like, mmm, that's good. Oh, that's good. Moreover, by them as thy servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Now, when God, the maker of everything it is, said, in reading my word, there's great reward. Hello, keeping them. You know, not just reading it, but then seeking and endeavoring by his grace and power to do it. There's great reward. The less you expose yourself to God's word, the less you want. The more you expose yourself to it, the more you want. The less do less, and the more do more. That's come up a couple times here, hasn't it? Okay, you say, Brother Bill, I've never done it. You lack enthusiasm to do it. Makes sense. You have maybe little to no faith, very little faith. Maybe you fear failure. Just do it. You get a t-shirt. Just do it. And have a picture of the Bible on it. Maybe we ought to do that, brother. And the millennial back there at the camera. We'll get a t-shirt. And we'll have a picture of the Bible and say, just do it. Now, man, that's a good idea. Write that down, would you? Just do it. Oh, I like that. How many would wear one of them? Two people. Okay, thank you. Like many of my other good ideas. God will come and help you. He will speak to you. He'll move. He'll fill your emptiness. He'll cause you to love the reading of the Bible. You will, you will fall more and more deeper and deeper in love with the God who wrote it, the Holy Spirit of God who breathed it. It'll become your dreams at night. It'll become your songs in the midnight. It'll become your poetry. It'll become your all in all. Oh, it's beautiful, beautiful. Number 12, it will, if you read the Bible through once a year, I can guarantee you it will cause you to care about others more than you do now, if you do. A lot of times we're pretty selfish creatures, and we don't really care about much about others, but it will cause you. As the Bible says in Psalm 119, 158, I beheld the transgressors and was grieved because they kept not that word. 
God's word will begin to cause you to care about people around you. You may be, you say, I don't need anybody else. I just need my little family. Oh, that's going to change. That's going to change. It will soften your hard heart and your cold indifference. It will give you God's view of the lost. See, if I don't have God's view, I, don't, I could care less, but God gives me his view. I exchange something when I read the Bible. Ah. God gives me some of himself. And he takes some of me, some of the carnality, some of the coldness he takes and gives me in exchange for that some of his beauty, some of his concern for others. Ooh. How many people have you heard through the years talking their testimony how that God called them while they were reading the Bible? Man, I've heard a lot of it. God, when you get to Bible school, you hear it all the time. God, I was reading the Bible the other day, and God spoke to me and called me to go to a particular place, or God called me to go and... Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Number 13, it will cause you to have joy while others are sad. In the midst of a crisis, when others are losing their cool, you'll be calm and collected and a sense of joy that only God himself can give you. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me a joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Psalm 16, verse 11 says, Thou wilt show me, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Have you ever thought, you old people, about dying? You better. But have you ever thought when you die, well, I'm going to miss that. Just for a second, the thought will come across your mind. I'm going to miss. I catch myself doing that. I'm, I'm going to. Then I think, oh, oh, no. I'm not going to miss that. I'm not going to miss that. Why, the first two tenths of a second that you step over into glory, brother, the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Isn't that right? You're not going to worry about what you lose here. Man, you're not giving up anything for Jesus. You're gaining everything. Anything of value could be called value you're gaining. John 15, verse 11, Jesus' words, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. What is that? He said, his words. Well, how are you going to know his words? Unless you read them, right? You read his words. He said, I'm going to give you my joy. Joy, 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 down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Okay, folks, when I do this, you say where. That joy, 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 down in my heart. Down in my heart, down in my heart, I got the joy, 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 down in my heart, down in my heart to stay. I've got the peace of passes understanding down in my heart. I'll stop there. We had fun at junior church, I tell you. If you don't read the words spoken by Jesus and the Holy Spirit for you, you will miss the resultant joy that he has for you. And you will struggle with no joy. Now, there ain't much no sadder place in this old world than no joy. 
no joy. You'll be singing doom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If I had no bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Doom, despair, and agony on me. <laughs> You've never been to a sermon like this. Because I haven't either. Brother, the joy of God is deep within. It's deep. Oh, I'm happy tonight. Number 14, it will cause you to excel above your teachers. Young one, young blood back there. Young blood, you want to be smarter than your teachers? Read the Word of God. Because I can guarantee you, you go to most places and you read the Word of God and have some knowledge of the Bible, you're smarter than they are because they haven't. Now, our teachers at gospel, that does not apply. Because they are after the Word of God, and they do read the Word of God. But it's the average teacher out there, I'm talking about college professor folks. I'm talking about a Ph.D. guy. Two Ph.D.s, three Ph.D.s. Don't make any difference. Brother, if they haven't read the Word of God, you excel them in understanding so far you're not even in the same ballpark. You say you're just making that up. No, I'm not. Psalm 119, 98 through 100. Though thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I don't like that part of the Bible. My enemies are ever with me. I thought I was going to get rid of them. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients. That's what I said about young blood back there. Because I keep thy precepts. Glory to God. Here's what it is. This is not said in arrogance, by the way. This passage is not arrogant. No, no, no. It is just that what, the, what God's saying, if you read my word, I will super advance you. Today we're in a super everything. Superheroes, super this, super that. God will give you super advancement in, in understanding and in wisdom and yea, even in knowledge. You will be a 25-year-old, but you'll have the wisdom of a 75-year-old that hasn't read the Bible. Yeah, that's good, man. Woo! I'll put you ahead of your teachers. I'll put you ahead of the ancients. I'll put you ahead of them. And lastly, number 15. And this is my favorite one. I waited for Brother Moon. I waited the last on this one. It will cause you to be unoffendable. It will cause you to be unoffendable. Pastor McKinney got up years ago. Pastor McKinney, God bless. I love that old boy. I buried him. I did his funeral up there and Beaver Dam, February, 18 below zero, outside, 21-gun salute, froze to death. Thought I was going to lose my ears, nose, and fingers. I had a summer suit on. When I see him, I want to mention a little bit about dying in February. 
What kind of a deal is that? If you're up north, you die in June, July, August. You can die down here anytime. It's okay. But don't die up there in February, January. My dad died in February. My mother died in March. Had to go up and bury both of them up there. It was snowing so hard when we went up. I think we had my dad. I think we had, I don't know if it was my dad or my mom. We had her in the plane with us. And she was in the cargo hold. I don't know. Her ticket was 2500 bucks. So let me tell you, that's an expensive cargo hold flight. One way, 2500 bucks. Flew her up to, and it snowed so hard in Chicago, they wouldn't let us land. We circled for 30 minutes in a, one of the meanest snowstorms I'd ever seen. Finally, they said, we're going to take you to Milwaukee. I said, wrong direction. That's further north, and it's further west, and we're never going to make it home. You know, up there, it'll snow you in three, four, five days. You sleep in the airport. And I thought, oh, no, I guess it won't hurt mom. And, I mean, I thought, what in the world? And I, I was wanting to get up there and beg the pilot to go for it. Just make it. Just go for it. Just throw her in on the snow. And he did. He said, we're going to go for it. And I'm looking out the window. You know how as you go down, you'll be able to see the housetops. Brother, by the time I saw the housetops, they were right there. It was a whiteout. And he landed in that snowstorm and put that plane down, and we got out, and I was so happy. And I don't know why I told you that, but I thought I'd do it. Oh, I know why I told you that. Unoffendable. Pastor McKinney said to me, he got up in front of the whole group over there, and he said, uh, if you knew Pastor McKinney, he was a former bartender, Marine, got born again at 33 years old, and had a little bit of a temper, Irish, by the way, too. He was a, he had a temper problem. And uh, now all you people without a temper problem, don't you judge us. And so he, he would once in a while get mad. He'd just get flash mad, flash anger. And... Uh, he got up, and, and I knew him pretty well, worked with him, so I knew he wouldn't know. He, I mean, he was a saint, all right, no doubt. But he had flash temper. One day he said, You're the, one day out of the, I, I, I had, uh, there was a guy beating his wife alongside the road, literally beating her. I thought he was going to kill her. So I jumped out and got a fist fight with a guy to save her, and I was late for church. I showed up late for church. He comes out and meets me before I go in. He looks at me really angry, and he doesn't ask me where I was, what happened, anything else. He says, you are the worst assistant pastor I've ever had. Now, he had had about six of them. I thought, yeah, man, I made it number seven. I said, you want to see why I got blood on my forehead? Anyway, but I love the guy. He got up and said in front of all of us and knew him. He says, I'm unoffendable. We all looked around and said, what? Did that just happen? The Bible says, here's what it says, Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Dr. Heller was the first guy I ever heard quote that. And nothing shall offend them. Well, I may have failed that one. Amen, yeah. You'll get offended if I go too long. Wait. The Bible says if you're ever going to be unoffendable, it's going to be through my word.
Amen. What happens is we the more we read the Bible, the more it washes us, washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost, the washing of the water by the word. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna wash that offendableness. It's gonna wash that whatever is in you that gets offended, it's gonna wash that out and wash that out by the grace of God to where uh you somebody can come up against you and you just giggle. I'm not there yet, but I'm hoping someday to get there. There's hope. There's hope. Now I pull my 357 out, but why could you how could you be unoffendable? You understand the big picture. God gives you the big picture. God's gonna help you. So let's review real quickly. Number, number 11 says it will create its own appetite. By reading the Bible, it's going to create its own romance. Number two, it's going to, or number uh, 12, it's going to cause you to care about the lost around you. Number 13, it's going to cause you to have joy. Number 14, it's going to cause you to excel above your teachers and the ancients and even your enemies. And lastly, number 15, it will cause you to be unoffendable. If you're ever going to be, it's going to cause you to be unoffendable. Man, that's 15 good reasons. 15 solid reasons that you should sign your name up on that board and say, I'm going to read it with you. Why should you be together? Because we do better, we do better together than alone. If you'll notice predators at all, they always try to get one of the pack to leave the pack and get alone. And when he's alone, then they can kill him. Same thing with you. Why do you come to church? Because you do a lot better here than you will out there by yourself. Why do you need a church? You need a church to give you strength by collectively being together. A threefold cord is not easily broken. And brother, you put all our hands together. Look at that mission board back there. That's because we put our hands together. Look at those buses out there. That's because we put our hands together. Come, come to door to door when there's 40, 50, 60 people. That's because we put our hands together. Go to nursing homes and see what we do. Five, six nursing homes or prison ministry or other things that go on here to gospel. It's because we put our hands together as a body and as a unit. And we decided not to be offendable. So to the point where we couldn't get along with each other, we decided to be unoffendable because we decided to put our concentration in the Word of God. And that'll do the rest. It'll help you. Carry you all the way through. I, I, I believe that I'm married today for 47 years, not because I'm such a sweet man. My wife here tonight, that was your cue. I've been married 47 years here tonight, because, not because I'm such a sweet man. I'm married because of Jesus. I guarantee you. Had that little, that little Irish rebel not gotten saved, she wouldn't have stayed married to any man long. Had I not gotten saved, I'd never stayed married to any woman long. And they wouldn't have stayed married to me. And Brother Jesus has allowed two rebels to stay together some 47 years, coming up on 48 years, and we've had a good time. We're not married because we have to be. We're married because we want to be. We're enjoying the trip. 
It'll be worth every mile of the trip. Oh, I want to sing the rest of that, but I'm not going to. Like the, well, no, not going to do it. Like the happy pilgrim who's arrived on that shore and forgot how the waves tossed his ship. When he see Jesus smile, hear him say, well done, my child. It'll be worth every mile of the trip. Father, help us tonight. Give us wisdom beyond our years. And you have. Uh, the Word of God is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It discerns between joints and marrow. Thoughts and intents. There is nothing that is not naked before it. Father, help us as we read it to conform our souls with what we read. Forgive us where we've been outright stone lazy. And we've just been pampering ourselves every way possible, 50 excuses, 50 reasons to leave the Bible. And we just, it's over. We're not going to give no more excuses. We're going to put our hand to the plow, and we're not even going to look back. We're going to read the Bible in 2018 all the way through. All the way through, maybe one more than once. If you'll let us, we're going to put it, as far as it concerns us, we're going to do it. God help these people to decide that to be true. May this year we have a record sign up of folks that said, yes, I'm going to read the book. Father, help me to pray for each one of their names week after week after week. And I know you'll do what you promise. Father, forgive us where we thought maybe the answer was more glorious or more secretive or more stupendous in some other way. We thought maybe you'd come over to us and do Shazam and help us. But when you told us, just read my word, it'll do the miracle. It'll transform us as looking in the mirror to what we're looking at. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.